These holy moments that I believe will take place here at Pendleton campus, things like this, things, things in the same realm, in life groups that will be taking place, uh, in, in the ways we serve uh, every Sunday and the other events that are coming up. There is a lot that's to come this year here at Pendleton campus. And I'm excited that we all get to be a part of it and we get to do it together. Guys, it's not me or my team doing it all. We get to do it together. Each one of you are part of it. And I'm honored and delighted uh, and privileged ultimately to be here, to be your pastor and to lead the way for what the Lord has in store for us here in 2024. But we're gonna start first with 21 days of prayer. We wanna start with prayer and fasting. And my, the, the message title today is Intimacy of Prayer and Fasting because I believe that in prayer and fasting, that is where we have the most intimate times with the Lord. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna get into prayer and then I'll jump into fasting near the end. But the, the part of prayer, a, a thing of prayer, it's not meant to be just mundane, saying the same things over and over. It's not meant to be boring. Prayer is meant to be bold and beautiful. It's, it's, it's not meant to, to just, you know, go through, check things off the list and just say like, you know, very surface level stuff. God wants us to be bold in our prayers. And ultimately what prayer is, it's a divine intimate relationship between you and God. When we are in prayer, it is a divine intimate relationship. This is where we can just, we can just take the gloves off take off the face mask, whatever it is, and we can just be real. He, he, he already knows what's in our hearts. He wants us to just be real with him. In Matthew chapter six says, uh, and starting verse seven, and when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. He already knows what you need before you ask him. So just be real with them. Find new ways to go into prayer. Stop doing the same thing over and over and over again and, and, and don't allow it to become boring, but let it be bold and let it be beautiful. I have seven types of prayers that I would say um, that, and, and it kind of falls into three different categories, but I'm gonna talk through them today. And it's not the only way you can pray. It's not the only types of prayers there are. These are just seven that I think are really uh, ultimately, uh, I, I think will change our prayer life. I think that they will change our relationship with the Lord and, and how we live our lives and a relationship with others as well. And the first kind of category, I, they fall into three different categories. The first category is prayers God can handle. And yeah, I know some of you may be thinking, well, yeah, he can handle everything. Yeah, he can handle everything. But oftentimes in our minds, we think that we don't pray, we don't, we don't come to him with certain things because we think in our minds he doesn't want to hear it or, or, he, or he doesn't want to handle it or he doesn't want to deal with it. And that's not true. He wants to handle all of our mess. He wants to deal with all of our mess. The first one is our requests. This is obvious. This is something that from a young age, if you've been in church for a while, it's like, all right, what prayer requests do you have? What prayer requests do you have? That's kind of like in our brain. But oftentimes, some of us may forget. We may hold back on our request because it's too big for God. That's, that doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Every request, in everything, may your requests be known to God. Make your 
requests. Ultimately, God is a father. And for any fathers in here, if your kid, if your child wants something and asks you for something, you want to, you want to help them. God's the same way. God wants to fulfill your needs. He wants to. And mothers, you can relate as well. If your child wants something, you want to be able to fulfill their needs. And the same if maybe you have no children, but you're, you're a spouse. Your spouse, you want to fulfill the needs of your spouse. This is just an earthly representation, but God wants to fulfill all your needs. The second type of prayer that God can handle is our complaints. Now, don't get it twisted. This doesn't mean say just start complaining and just only complain. No, he, he wants to hear complaints, but he also wants to hear our praises. He wants, he wants all of us, but he can handle your complaints. Don't only complain to God, but he wants to heal or hear your complaints. And Psalm 142 uh, verse one, I cry aloud with my voice to the Lord. I make supplication with my voice to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before him. I declare my trouble before him. We, he wants us. He, he wants us to complain. Otherwise, it would be in the scriptures. He wants us to give our complaints to him, our troubles to him. Now, it's one thing to give our complaints to him. To nether, the question I must ask is, can you handle his response? We could complain to him all we want, but if his response is to take you the route of which you are complaining about, you're not gonna like it as much. But in act of submission, submission and obedience and faith, we walk it out. The second category we kind of walk into is prayers God likes. Yes, he likes all prayers. I get it. This, this is just some that I want to pull out of this. The, the, the third type of prayer here is the prayer of agreement. The prayer of agreement where, where we come together in agreement to pray. I take this to uh, Matthew chapter 18. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. You know, it's powerful to have a group of people. Say you have an accountability group, you're a life group, um, your, your, your spouse, whatever it may be, friends at work, whatever it may be. It is powerful to have a group that you can just get together with and you can just sit down and you can pray. You can stand, you can pray. You can walk, you can pray. You can pray together in agreement. See, what I believe is that the, the, the enemy, Satan, he, you know, he trembles when I pray alone. He does. He trembles when you pray alone. But the devil quakes and shivers when we pray together. One can send a thousand to fight. Two can send ten thousands to fight. There is much power in prayer of agreements. And that's why we are here every Saturday morning, eight to nine. This is open to anybody, by the way. We are praying for this hour in agreement of what the Lord is doing. 
We are praying in agreement of what we want to see take place here at Pendleton Campus, here in Pendleton in the community, Anderson, Madison County, the state, the nation, the world. We are praying in agreement for what we want to see the Lord do here. And the enemy, he doesn't like it. He doesn't like it one bit. But we continue to do it because God likes our prayer of agreements. I would challenge you if you don't have a, a life group or account, if you don't have life group, get in a life group, all right? Life groups are meant for everybody. We're meant for community. But if you, if you, if you have one or if you have an accountability group, if you don't have an accountability group, find two or three individuals that you trust, that you can share anything with. And like, I, I, have, I have one and, and my challenge for this year is to, you know, once a week, every other day or something, just send a text. Hey, let's be in agreement over this. You know, can you send a text to, to your group of, of individuals that you trust that you can be in agreement with? Say, hey, let's be in agreement in a prayer over our spouses today. Let's be in agreement of prayer over our work today. Let's be in agreement of, of prayer over, over our finances today. Whatever it is, and watch what the Lord will do. He likes our prayers of agreement. Our fourth type of prayer is our thank yous. Our thank yous. This one may seem obvious, may seem you know, clear, um, but it essentially comes down to gratitude. It's, it's giving him our gratitude, our appreciation. And, and I wanna take us to 1 Thessalonians chapter five, starting in verse 16. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In everything, give thanks. That doesn't mean just the good things that happen to you. This also means the, 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 the struggles, the valleys, the battles, the losses that we face in life. We are to give thanks, and those are the hardest moments to give thanks. I, I understand that completely. But we are told in everything to give thanks. And when we give thanks, God gets the glory through our gratitude. He gets the glory through our gratitude. I think that gratitude ultimately is a, is a public display. I think gratitude should be a public display to be able to just to sit and, and thank the Lord out loud in front of friends, family, whatever. You don't have to bring attention to yourself. Just verbally say it out loud. God, you brought me here. You, you know, this past week when I was there, we, we landed and I was standing outside in the, in the cold and welcoming people. And my group that I was working with, I said, Lord, you brought me here. Thank you for bringing me here. Thank you for the flight, for the safety. Thank you for the ability to come. And I just began to thank him out loud. And then everybody else was like, just started talking about what the Lord has done in their life and, and to got them there and this, that, and the other. And it's just a ripple effect. And you can start that. Another prayer that God likes is our desires. Is our desires. Job chapter six, verse eight says, oh, that my request might come to pass and that God would grant my longing." This isn't me saying that every single thing, every single thing you desire and that you ask for will be granted. This is not prosperity gospel that I'm preaching here. He wants to know your desires. He already knows what's in your heart, but he wants to hear your desires. And here's the thing. When the desires come, say they're fulfilled, say they're not. 
one thing we have to recognize and be, uh, be aware of is to not make the desires of the Lord greater than our delight in him. We can give our desires and the Lord will answer that prayer, but may the desire for being fulfilled not be greater than our delight in the one who granted it. We, have, we need a reality check in these, in these moments. This is Psalm 37, verse four. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. It's not to say, hey, I'm gonna delight myself in the Lord and then I'll get everything I want. No, just delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in him in an intimate relationship with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The third category of prayers is the prayers God loves. We got two more types of prayers that, that fill in this category. The first being earnest prayers. Earnest prayers. I'm gonna take us to James chapter five in, in the NLT. At the end of this verse, it says, the earnest prayer of a righteous man has great power and produces wonderful results. The earnest prayer of a righteous man. What does it mean to have an earnest prayer? An earnest prayer ultimately is thrashing, shouting, and passionate prayers. It's not to sit there in your prayer closet and to quietly just say, Lord, thank you for this. I ask you, Lord Jesus, for this. There's a time and a place for that. There is. I'm not saying you can never pray like that. No, it is to be bold and beautiful. So earnest prayers is what is what God loves. He loves to hear our passion. He loves to hear our emotion. He wants the thrashing and the shouting. You, you take uh, an individual that, that's at the, at the gym and they're throwing weight around. They're grunting and they're, they're just throwing it. You can hear the, the weights smacking against each other. You can hear it. You know what's going on. You know what's taking place. He's fighting to, to increase his strength. And in our prayer, we can fight to increase our strength. But it's not our strength. It's the strength that comes from the Lord. We don't need to hide any longer. He doesn't want us to hide behind a, a voice or a face. He wants us to be loud. He wants us to, to, to shout. He wants us to be passionate in our conversation with him. The seventh and last type of prayer, one that God loves, is the prayer of faith. A faith prayer. Take us to Mark chapter 11, verse 24. Therefore, I say to you, all these things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and they will be granted to you. I tell you what, over this last week, I talk about it a lot because all the, it just happened to fit, guys. Like, uh, Devin went and served with me, and he told me, like, a number of times, he, he got to pray over individuals who were having panic attacks, who were super anxious, super fearful, all these things that were just crying. And ultimately, it was, it was his, uh, spiritual warfare that was taking place. And every time after he shared the story, he said, at the very end, I just kept telling him, I said, hey, you have to receive this. You have to believe that you have received this healing. You have to believe. We can only receive by the measure of our own faith. So how much faith do you have? That's the question for us today. Do you believe that you have received the healing? Do you believe 
that you have conquered, because of Jesus, conquered all the things of which the enemy tries to, to, to thwart our plans for the kingdom. Believe that you have received them. We must have great faith because he is the God of the universe, of the universe. He's not just God of Pendleton. He's not just God of Indiana, United States, or the world. He is the God of the universe. He created it all. He is the beginning and the end. He's the author and the finisher. They're, they're like, it's much bigger than our minds could probably wrap our heads around, wrap our minds around. But that's, that is good, good news because we can have great faith because of how great he is. And our prayers should be prayers of great faith. Matthew chapter 17 says, and Jesus rebuked him and the demon came out of him and the boy was cured at once. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not drive it out? And he said to them, because of the littleness of your faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible to you. Verse 21, but this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. You can also see this in Mark. There are some things that we pray for that require prayer and fasting, which is why we come to 21 days of prayer and fasting. I want our prayers over these next 21 days to be so bold, so big, that when we share, people laugh. Say, yeah, that's never going to happen. When we share with unbelievers, they, they laugh at us. Because I know then my, my, my faith, my prayers are as bold and as great a faith as I need them to be. When it comes to fasting, a lot of people get discouraged because they don't see results right away. They get disappointed. And, and ultimately, what happens with fasting is we must remember that external outcomes are less important than the internal work being done. Everything to say for me to say that is, is, is there are a lot of things that are happening that we cannot see. And we must remember that just because we don't see an external outcome doesn't mean that work is still not being done inside of us. What God does in you is greater than what he does through you in these moments of fasting. If you choose to fast in any, in any regard, and I'm going to talk about four uh, different types of biblical fasts here in a moment. But I'm going to take us to Matthew 6 first. Whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. What's this mean? This means that when you fast, if you choose to fast in any regard, whether it's uh, you know, a food fast is, is a main one is kind of be the focus, but also any other non-food fast. Don't make it a big deal. Like it's not about you. It's not about how great of a, of a Christian you are by the way you fast or how often you fast or how long you fast. It's not about you. 
That's, this, this, is what, this is what they did. They wanted to be noticed by men. That's what the hypocrites did. And we we're told not to be like the hypocrites. They already have the reward in full because they got the approval of man. Like, oh, awesome. You did such a great job. Well done. No, our reward is in heaven. Our reward is in our relationship with Jesus. So don't go about saying, you know, talking about your fast or anything. It's like you have your accountability group, share it with them, yeah, but don't be going blasting it on Facebook or this, that, or the other, okay? Fasting must be biblical. It must line up with the word of God. If it doesn't, it's, it's not of Christ. It must be biblical. And we all have our own goals when it comes to fasting, but, I, but God has a goal when it comes to fasting. And God's goal is to pursue a closer, more vibrant walk and connection with him. That should be our goal. Our goal should be the same as God's, to pursue a closer, more vibrant walk and connection with him. It'll draw us near to him. The funny thing about fasting is we, we often jump into it to change, to, to change the circumstance of something in our life. But when we fast, it doesn't change God. It changes you, it changes us, it changes me. And ultimately, fasting reveals God's plan. It doesn't change it. He already has a plan. He already knows beginning to the end. We, we, we often will step into fast to change something, but really it will reveal his plan to us. It will reveal him to us. We'll have a more intimate, deeper connection with him. And there are four types of biblical fasts that we're gonna, we're gonna jump through here real quick. The first is the fast of absolute, the absolute fast. This is, this is no food, no water. Okay, we know Jesus did it. Who else did it? Anybody know? Moses. Here we go, Exodus 34. So he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He did not eat bread or drink water. And he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. 40 days, absolute fast, no food, no water. Moses is wild. Now you want to understand why he was like, like he was the one to you know, put it on tablets. I mean, the man had great, great, great faith. He trusted, he relied on the Lord for all of his needs. We also see in Acts chapter 9, we, see, we hear of uh, uh, Paul, uh, well, Saul, Saul to Paul, um, and he was there three days uh, on the road to Damascus, there three days without sight, neither ate nor drank. It's three days, absolute fast. This is what took place. The second is a standard fast. This is probably the most common, maybe, um, if you are a regular faster, you will do a standard fast. This is no food, only water. Uh, Dr. Vinod shared a little bit about this. And we see this in Matthew 4, 4. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And meaning, not eating, we're drinking, but ultimately we are filling the time that we would be eating with time with him. Getting into the word, setting aside time for prayer, worship. We must, we're not just stop eating. We are replacing our eating with the reading, the praying, the worshiping. Time spent in the word. Time spent with the Father. We must do it, and we must do it biblically. 
okay? If you're gonna fast any time in these 21 days, then you must recognize, you must remember that. Spend time with the Lord in your time that you would normally be eating. Or if it's a non-food, in the time that you would be spending on whatever that, that item is. The third biblical fast is a partial fast. As Dr. Vinod talked about, the most popular, the most famous of this is, um, is uh, uh, the Daniel fast. We see this in Daniel chapter 10, verse 23, or verse 3. I did not eat any tasty food, nor did meat or wine enter my mouth, nor did I use any ointment at all until the entire three weeks were completed. So basically, he ate nothing fun. I, I don't know. I mean, fruits, vegetables, whatever. It, that's fun, I guess. I don't, but nothing tasty. Nothing tasty. When you want to eat, you want to eat food that tastes good, right? Daniel said, nope, I'm not going to indulge myself. Anything that tastes good. If it tastes like dirt, I'll eat it. And that's what Daniel did, essentially. I'm paraphrasing here. And, uh, and, and this is a Daniel fast. This is something you could do if you just want to do just vegetables, if you want to do just fruits or, or whatever it may be. You could do a partial fast that is more very specific to this. And then the last uh, biblical fast we see is a non-food fast. It's a non-food fast. And we see this in Joshua chapter 3 when Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Consecrate yourselves. Consecrate yourself. What this means here is that we're we are looking at our hearts, looking at our heart posture, we're saying, what is in the way between me and God? What is it? Is it social media? Is, is, it, is it a hobby? Is it working out? Is it cars? Is it drugs, alcohol? What is it that is in your life? Is it pornography? All these things. Really, you shouldn't be doing that at all anyways. But if it takes to get breakthrough, as it takes you to fast it, we'll start there. And then you won't ever watch it again. I'm serious though. What is the thing that's keeping you from between you and God that you're spending most of your time, you're spending most of your time scrolling on your phone? How many hours? You look at your screen time. How, many, how much screen time do you have a week? Average, three hours, five hours. I've seen some people with 18 hours a day. That's wild to me. If you said, I'm done with this and lay this down, I'm gonna spend this much time with the Lord every day. How easy would that be for people? It'd be a challenge. It would be 100%. It'd be a sacrifice. It would be. But here's the thing. As I, as I shared earlier, it's like we have to replace whatever it is with time with the Lord. Fasting without prayer is just starvation. Fasting without the word of the Lord is just starvation. Fasting without being with him in any capacity is just starvation. Here's the thing, between these four different types of fasts, if you're thinking, I wanna go on a fast over these next 21 days, fasting should be sacrificial. It should be sacrificial. And you may sit here, which one of these is easiest for me? I wanna do that one. I challenge you not to. I challenge you to maybe take the next one. I'm not saying go all the way straight up to absolute. And it doesn't have to be all 21 days. I encourage you to pick one you could do 21 days. But if it's just three days, three days on, 
two days off, something, figure it out. But fasting should be a regular part of our routines as believers. The word says, when you fast, focus on the when, it's not if you fast. Scripture calls us all as believers to fast in some capacity, regularly. It's not just a one-time thing. But here's the thing, when we fast, you wanna say, what do I do in my fast when I'm replacing the time with the Lord or with whatever this thing is? I'm gonna give you targets of prayer while fasting. I'm gonna give you five things and we're just gonna run through them, I promise. But these are five things that you could focus on while you are fasting, whatever it may be. Throughout your day, you can keep saying the same thing over and over, you can focus on one or the other. The first of which is for God to reveal and accomplish his will in your life. He's asking, God, reveal yourself. Reveal, Lord, your will for my life and accomplish this by your spirit, by your power, by your strength. Another is for all distractions, addictions, and bondages to be removed from your life to be removed from your body. God can do it. I promise you. He can and he will. The next is for infirmity, sickness, and disease to leave your body. In the name of Jesus. For it all to be gone. Fourth one, for lost friends and family to come back to the Lord. For lost friends and family who never knew the Lord to come to the Lord. And finally, the last target of prayer is for the anointing of God to come upon you in a greater measure. A greater measure. If you're in this room, you are a follower of Jesus, you have a relationship with him, you have an anointing on your life. You have an anointing upon you. And it is by him to increase this. The greater measure, receive it as well. When you're praying those things, don't just pray it just to say it. Pray it, believe it, receive it over your life, over the life of your friends and family over your home, over your children, over your grandchildren, whether they're here or not yet, declare it, receive it, believe it. Here's the thing with fasting. It's scary for a lot of people. If you have health issues, don't fast. Don't do a food fast. Dr. Bernard said that. But find something that you can fast. I really, my challenge, we, I gave you all a challenge last week of 365 hard well, there's another challenge. Pick something to fast for the next 21 days of prayer and fasting. We have 21 days of prayer here every weeknight at 6.30 p.m., 6.30 to 7.30 every weeknight, 8 a.m. still Saturday mornings, and then here we are at church Sundays. Come to pray. Come to prayer. Come fasting. Come expectant for the Lord to move, to reveal himself to you, to reveal his plans to you 
It's more about what is done inside of you than what is done outside of you. And why I challenge you as fast is because you are one fast away from changing the world on an empty stomach. One fast away. Yeah, it's supposed to be regularly, but you are one fast away from your life changing, from your home life changing, from your work, all of it changing one fast away. And that is my challenge to you, church. Think about what it will be. Write it down. Start an accountability group. Get somebody to walk alongside you in this process. The prayer team's gonna be up here. If you need help with anything in your life, you wanna lay any bondage down, you wanna lay any sickness, any disease, any infirmity, you wanna lay it down, you wanna step in the gap for those who are lost or you know somebody who's lost, this is your moment. Come forward, let us pray with you. This is just the beginning of what the Lord's gonna do in the next 21 days. And we're gonna hear about all the testimonies. I'm gonna make sure we get the testimonies and we're able to share what's happening right here in Pendleton, right here in Madison County, right here in our own church of what the Lord is doing through our fasting of obedience and our prayer.